What doesn't kill us doesn't make us stronger. It makes us more creative. Wait, how? Let's find out together. I'm Dr. Marion Piper, and I'm on a mission to uncover what it means to lead a truly creative life. So if you're feeling uninspired, blocked, or just plain lost, welcome home. Welcome back, friends. I am excited for today's episode for so many reasons. Uh, As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while now, you'll know that I explore the concept of post-traumatic growth, which is all about ways that we can spiral up after we go through significant traumas and challenging life circumstances. Uh, and the, there's a cousin to post-traumatic growth, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. It is like um, they're not – I wouldn't say that they're opposite experiences or that they are um, – one is positive or one is negative, um, but they are very different experiences and they both come from – our potential pathways after we go through something really difficult. And the amazing guest that I'm speaking with today uh, runs one of the most popular, if not the most popular, and probably the and definitely the largest Instagram accounts um, called Healing from PTSD. And I am talking about the incredible Madeline Papelka. She has created such a vibrant community exploring all the potential paths of healing uh, from trauma and from PTSD. Uh, And she also has written a book um, called You're Going to Be Okay, which best title ever. Um, And I had the absolute joy of speaking with Madeline. Um, Recently, we had Oh gosh, our conversation zips around so many places and she is just such a generous speaker and I know you're going to absolutely love what she has to say. Uh, So I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro to her before we dive into our conversation. So born and raised in the Bay Area, Madeline Papelka grew up in a household where mental health was never discussed. Suffering alone, when she started to experience PTSD symptoms in her late 20s, she realized she didn't know the first step in getting help. As Madeline began her healing journey, she felt an urge to create a space for other trauma survivors on Instagram, which is at Healing From PTSD, which is now the largest trauma healing community on Instagram. There you go. There she shares her hard-earned lessons on healing, inspiring hundreds of thousands of survivors along their own healing journeys. So... I know that you're going to get a lot out of this conversation just as much as I did. And without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredible Madeline. I am so excited to welcome Madeline Papelka to the podcast. Welcome, Madeline. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I love any opportunity that I get to talk to um, a fellow trauma survivor and also to dive into a bit of a different conversation around trauma and particularly around how we might use it. uh, Well, maybe not use it's probably not the right word, but how we might frame it in a different way um, to inspire people who are struggling or who are going through something similar um, to let them know that there's another way, right? Um, Absolutely. 
There's always another way. And so um, just to kick us off, um, for those who aren't familiar with you and we'll sort of share as we go through um, a few of the amazing things that you've created and put out into the world. Um, but did you want to share just a bit of a background about who you are, where you've come from, just so uh, our listeners can, can start to get to know you a little? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Madeline. I am based in Oakland, California, and I am a writer, a trauma survivor, the author of You're Going to Be Okay, 16 Lessons on Healing After Trauma. Um, yes. And I am a mental health advocate and the creator of Healing from PTSD on Instagram, which is where I share about my experiences of healing from trauma and what brought me to that space and to this work that I am doing now is a few different traumatic experiences that I went through throughout my life. Um, but when I was diagnosed with PTSD in my late twenties, I did feel like it was the end of the world. And I felt like I was the only person going through what I was going through. Um, so I created the online space and then ultimately wrote the book to let other trauma survivors know that they are not alone, that they are not quote unquote crazy, um, and that there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel healing is possible. And, um, we weren't meant to be here to just live in suffering. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Um, and I can already f uh, pick up on a few threads of things that um, I've definitely enjoyed about reading your book, because what I've found, um, you know, having researched the topic quite heavily myself in my PhD, um, I found that uh, a lot of the academic writing about trauma is incredibly clinical. Um, yeah. And it's yes. not, yeah, right. And it's not something that uh, that is accessible to the average person. Um, oh gosh, that's so true. And when you've gone through a traumatic experience and you're suffering from a lot of the symptoms, it's really hard to pick up a book that's like, talks about all these different parts of the brain and the ways that like the reason why we have our trauma symptoms and super clinical, as you said. And it's like, I was there like suffering from panic attacks, from severe anxiety, from insomnia. And I'm like, okay, great. Like I'm like, you're explaining what's happening in the brain and everything, but this is not what I need right now. <laughs> like it's all great information, but I needed to know that there was a path toward healing. Um, and I really wish that there was someone who would, you know, sit with me and was, and who would be like, you know, we're going to get through this together. You're going to be okay. And that is why I wrote the book that I wrote. Yeah. And that very much comes across. Like when I was go working my way through it, um, I felt like I was hearing from, uh, you know, my my noble shit friend who's like, hey, listen, this this feels like absolute garbage, but there are things that you can do. It's not, you know, none of this is going to be out of reach for you. Um, and I like the way that you sort of scaffolded and you have all these beautiful quotes throughout it, um, which, you know, I resonate with as a writer, words are my jam. 
Um, and so I'm sort of curious um, what, you know, and this is just a, a curiosity of mine. Um, when you were a kid, were you a, were you a super creative child or is this, is that something that sort of has eluded you or has come later maybe? You know, it's hard for me to say because I, I did experience childhood trauma and I feel like there is like, there's so much that I don't remember from my childhood. And I felt like I wasn't allowed to be my authentic self. I felt like I was there just to live up to other people, other people's expectations and primarily my parents. And I did what they wanted me to do. So, um, I do feel like I was creative because I do have some memories of like making up songs, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot that I don't remember. And I was just in a state of like living for other people, essentially. I didn't know that I had a choice. Yeah. And I think that's, um, a common thread for most people who've experienced childhood trauma, um, particularly around a few key things that I've noticed is the one, the memory loss is a big one. Um, two, the people pleasing is huge. And then three, which is the one that I think is uh, probably if you can, as an adult, if you can, when you become that healthy adult, if you can get your head around this and figure out how to master it is um, knowing what you what you need and being able to advocate for yourself. Um, and so, yeah, one of the questions I had for you was around like, because this is something that's definitely eluded me, how do we do that? How do we figure out <laughs> what we need when we have, you know, a brain that's been, um, you know, changed by trauma? Oh, my gosh. That is, I think that this is an ongoing practice, even as someone who has been doing healing work for many years, like identifying and advocating for myself to meet my needs is absolutely an ongoing practice. And for me, the way that like, I at first didn't think that my needs mattered. I just thought that I existed to please my parents, to do what they told me to, to follow the rules, to live up to the expectations that other people set out for me. So I was never turning inward and focusing on what I needed. Um, I honestly didn't start paying attention to my needs until I started going to therapy when, after I had experienced trauma. So that was like five, six years ago. It's so it's still, it's still new to me. Um, but the way that I started was to go back and turn and tune into my feelings and use my feelings as a guide to figure out what I need. Um, like for instance, if I was, you know, feeling and, and it's not just like the surface level um, emotion. Sometimes you need to get like a layer deeper because yes, we can be like, I'm sad, but it's like, is it really sadness or is it disappointment? Is it, um, you know, there are so many different layers and it's really for me was tuning into myself and identifying um, what my feelings were. And then it took some trial and error to figure out 
what would actually satisfy my needs. Um, so I think for everyone, it can look, it, it can look differently. Like we all, um, need different things at different times. And even if we're going through something similar and are experiencing, um, and having a similar experience, like we're still unique individuals who have different preferences. So I think that's, one tricky part about, um, healing is figuring out, um, your needs and how to honor those needs. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's also the most annoying part of the process. I find (laughs) it's like, just when you land on that thing that feels really good and nourishes you the next week, you know, you're exposed to different things, you know, you move to a different space in your healing, And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that doesn't work anymore. Oh, absolutely. Because we're continuously evolving and our needs are, you know, they change with us. So it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of healing as well too, um, how do you define healing? Oh, um, I define healing as the release of fear, shame, um, and the core of it to me is coming home to yourself. Um, because for me, healing has like, yes, I, I think there are so many different layers to healing first of all, but, um, healing was about really, or you know, decreasing my PTSD symptoms. That was a huge part of it. But then there is this whole other part of healing that goes into actually carrying out a life that brings me joy. And in order to do that for a lot of us, we got to be able to feel comfy in our, in our bodies. And, um, and I mean, there it's an ongoing journey, um, of course, but, um, that, that is healing in a nutshell to me. I love that, that idea. Yeah. Coming home to yourself because one of the things that I've been working through lately, particularly is around redefining the concept of home, um, Mm -hmm. especially in relationship to my childhood trauma, um, which I'm sure that, you know, you can share that sentiment, right. When home is not that safe, nourishing place that it should be, um, you know, as you get older and you start to make your own home, home, home homes, like more, multiple homes in the world, right? Um, it does become a, um, a bit of a question of like, okay, like I am my first home in the world. Um, I am my last home in the world. How do I, um, you know, shift my perception um, from home being something that's external to me to something that is internal? So I love this idea of coming home to yourself, um, which I think just, it just makes healing seem a little bit less um, something that I have to do and more something that I can experience, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I love that because it's all about, it's an ongoing process. It is, it truly is a journey that, um, although it can be frustrating, um, it's an, it's ongoing and um, there are so many different layers to it. And once you peel back one layer, there's another layer of healing that appears. And um, 
it's not always, you know, really hard work. It can be really nourishing and, um, you know, a lot of self-discovery can come from it. And there are so many beautiful things that can happen as a result of healing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I know that you talk about this a lot on your Instagram account, which is at healing from PTSD for those playing along at home. Um, and I've been following your journey for a while. So it's um, really, really lovely to to hear this in my face hole right now. <laughs> um but um, speaking of of healing, and um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is this concept of post-traumatic growth, um, mm-hmm. which is the idea that it's possible to grow after trauma. Um, and I'm curious to know um, for, for you and the work that you've done and what you've experienced, um, what's the relationship between healing and growth? Like, are they different things in your mind or are they kind of the same? You know, I feel like, I, I mean, I think that, I personally don't talk about, I don't put out like this is post-traumatic growth out there because I think that it can be discouraging to some trauma survivors who are like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive. Like I can't even think, think about growing right now. Um, And I think healing does seem more accessible to people because it's like, one small step at a time. I may not be, you know, growing, but I'm getting better. Um, so I think, I think for me, it depends on like the stage that a person is, is at, um, because if they're still in the, in survival mode, like growth seems like something that is way too far in the distant, but if they've reached a certain point in their healing, then, and then they can reflect back and be like, oh, wait, I actually have grown as a person. Then, um, then, you know, I, I think that it's, it's easier for someone to recognize like within themselves, um, as opposed to an external party being like, oh, you know, growth is a goal. I couldn't agree more. I think context is really important. Um, And I've always maintained that um, I'm the person to talk to um, when you kind of like, you rub, you rub your eyes clear and you're like, oh, so much has changed. I've changed. Like, what do I do now? Like that, uh, that's, that's where I fit into the piece of the puzzle. I'm like, then I can kickstart us on the growth journey. And so I love this. We, I I feel like we've both got our own little, nice little um, pockets on the journey to go with people. I mean, of course there's overlaps between, between healing and growth um, because, you know, life is not linear, (laughs) right? It is circular and quantum and all those fun words. Um, (laughs) And also too, a lot of it, um, you know, when when a, when people talk about, um, you know, their trauma or other people are asking, you know, how you're going, a lot of a lot of it is it comes down to this concept of time, you know. And I feel I feel like time is a really um, precarious idea when we are talking about somebody recovering and healing um, and growing after trauma. Um, because as you've said, you know, everybody's journey is different. And I loved um, one quote that I I did pull out of your book that I loved was um, time alone cannot heal. It's not magic. <laughs> and I think, cause you know, there's, there's that old adage of like time heals all wounds, but right. um, and how, how, like what, how does that sit with you? That, that idea of time? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I like 
my childhood trauma, um, first of all, didn't surface for me until I was like 30 years old. Um, and it's like, I complete, I buried it so far that I, I was so disconnected from it. Like I was and when it started to come back in, um, these flashbacks, I was like questioning it. I was like, did that really happen? And it was so confusing. So it's like something that took place over 20 years ago was coming back to me at that moment and was bringing up, you know, these flashbacks and, you know, anxiety, panic. And, um, you know, it, it had been over 20 years and time did not heal those wounds. It's like when you're hit with a flashback, it can bring you right back to that moment and it can feel just as painful um, then like now than it did all those years ago. So time alone certainly doesn't heal wounds, but I will say that healing does take time. You know, it's like, it's not like you do, you're running through a checklist and you're like, okay, I need to like go to therapy. I need to do this to heal. I need to do that to heal. And then I should be all better after that. Like, that that's absolutely not how it works either. It doesn't happen overnight. So, so yeah, I like to say that time doesn't heal all wounds, but healing also takes time. I love that reframe. And my, my therapist is really fond of, um, of saying to me, Marion, like you never get rid of this. So what we're going to do is, you know, cause it's part of you, it's part of your background. It makes you who you are. So what we need to do is we um, we need to work with it, not against it, um, and do what we can to soften the blow um, when these you know these triggers happen when it does come back. Um, because I'm in a very similar position to you. I probably didn't start actually. Um, I wouldn't say reliving it, but I didn't start um, processing. Uh, my childhood trauma emotionally um, until just after my mum passed away, which is 2015, um, maybe even a little bit later because it took me a while to to get out of my head and into yeah. my heart, right? Um, and do yeah. you find that too? Did you find that you were sort of over-intellectualizing or was there just a complete disconnection? I think that it was a complete disconnection. And also it was like I had zero self-awareness until I started going to therapy and still I, until I started doing all this internal work. So these memories from my childhood started resurfacing after I had already started doing some of that work. So when I got triggered, I was like, why? Like then I could like pause and question like, okay, why was I triggered? Like what memories are coming up and, um, or what does this remind me of? Um, and then that's when all these other memories started flooding in from my childhood. So it was like, I already, I had to do some healing work already in order to access those memories from so long ago, just because it was, I buried them and kept on avoiding it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, no, and um I totally understand. Um and and it's like a floodgate, right? Like once we sort of <laughs> tap into that the dam bursts and you know we are confronted. We Yeah. 
with things that we, you know, we've repressed or ignored or yeah, just basically out of survival, our brain chose not to keep that um, in conscious working memory. Exactly. Um, and so for people who, um, you know, maybe they're pre where you were at and they, you know, they're, they're starting to get curious, they're hearing this conversation around mental health, they might have a maybe like an intuition or a gut feel um, that maybe there's, you know, things that they've been through that um, they haven't addressed and perhaps therapy is, you know, because I, I mean, the mental health system in Australia, I'm sure it's very similar in the US, totally cooked because um, we still don't give mental health the same priority as we do to physical health, even though, hmm, spoiler alert, same thing. Um, <laughs> so for someone who maybe, um, uh, you know, can't find a therapist or can't access that support, um, what are some things that they can do to start to build that self-awareness that maybe you've tried in the past or maybe some of your community have tried? Oh, yes. I love this because even even once you do have a therapist, you still need that self-awareness in order to relay information to the therapist too. So it's like self-awareness, I feel like is such a like foundational, um, like tool for healing because it is, I feel like it's required for so much of healing. So the way that I built self-awareness was to just start journaling about all of my thoughts and feelings. And, um, for instance, if, um, you were to get triggered then to take a moment to pause and then first of all, calm, calm yourself, but, and it may take a while for you to figure out what works for you, whether it's breath work, whether it is journaling. I mean, I'm a writer, so, um, it's (laughs) dumping my thoughts into a journal is always my go-to, um, it could be going on a walk. Um, there, there's so many different things and then pausing and then taking a moment to reflect on what is happening internally and externally. Like maybe you got triggered by something externally. So take note of where you are, what you saw, did you smell something? Um, and then internally think about your thoughts your feelings how are you feeling in your body are there any images that have come to mind um and then i i really think that it is beneficial to write all these things down um and then you can start to recognize um patterns and start to connect the dots and whether it whether you know maybe you got triggered because you did see something that reminded you of a traumatic event in the past. Um, so I think that that is a really great way to start. And then again, if you are able to access therapy, then, um, you'll have all this information ready to discuss with your therapist. Oh, I love that. And, you know, the people who've been listening to my podcast for a while know that I am like, Journaling is like the core foundational <laughs> practice of my entire universe. It's kind of like yeah. the, the linchpin, the leverage yeah. point. Um, but one thing that you that you tapped on that I think, um, and I see a lot of people who struggle with journaling, is that they 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 believe that it is a practice where you know you're just documenting, right? But when we start to think of journaling more as a self awareness or a mental health tool, um, it is about um, getting out everything that is trying to come out. But then that next step, the reflective step, 
which is to connect the dots, you know, mm-hmm. and not being afraid to to look at something and go, oh, I can see a pattern here, you know, yeah. that maybe when I when I'm when I see this person or when um, anybody talks about this topic, it activates something in me because if we don't have if we don't have that knowledge. Um, or I mean, when we do have that knowledge, it makes a the therapist's job a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. um, but it also makes our lives easier because then we can actually start a conversation around, okay, then how can I either limit that exposure or what can I do to address it? Exactly. Like that's in order to, you know, desensitize and heal your triggers, you need to know what they are in the first place and you need to know what's triggering you. So yes, self-awareness is so key to helping you get there. And then it's just like, once you start practicing it, it becomes easier because I remember when I first started to try to build my self-awareness, it was like, I, I would just be like, I don't, it it was frustrating, honestly. And I felt like I'd be just like sitting with my journal, like, okay, what? (laughs) Like, so it really, it really does get easier with practice. Yeah. The amount, the amount of pages I have in past journals that are just like, I don't know what to write. So I'm going to keep writing that I don't know what to write until something comes up. Wow. This is annoying. (laughs) Um, I've definitely been there too, but it's like, you know, that's, that's part of it. That's part of the learning. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, I love that we've talked about journaling, uh, adore. Um, another one, another, uh, Thing that you talk about in the book, um, you know, because I think it is really, it's really easy when you start on the healing journey or on, you know, this mental health recovery um, for that to become your identity, right? When it's all, when it becomes, it's this thing that exists in your life. It is, it can be overwhelming. It can be really nourishing, you know, as you start to build that self-awareness and that self-discovery, um, but it can at times get to a point where it sort of starts to stress you out as well and become Mm -hmm. something that, um, you know, causes grief and pain um, in itself. Um, So I wanted to talk to you about this idea of taking a break from things, you know, is it okay? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, I don't think it's sustainable to just keep on pushing and keep on trying to find to to like force self-discovery to force healing it can be counterproductive so um I'm not in therapy right now I've decided to take a break because you know I've been doing intense trauma healing work for a few years and I was like like, yes, there are times when I'm like, oh, it would be really beneficial to have a therapist. Um, but I've also given myself permission to distance myself from some things that I know that I still need to heal from because I just want to prioritize my joy right now. I want to have fun. I've gone through a lot and I think, and this is what keeps me going, this joy that I'm cultivating. And um, there will come a time when I will want to dive back into the deep healing work. Um, 
but we need the we need the joy to keep going. We're we're allowed to have fun. I mean, like like I said earlier, like we weren't meant like we aren't here to be suffering all the time. Um, and it shouldn't have to feel that way. And healing can absolutely be painful. It can be overwhelming. So I think that it is more than okay to take a step back. And I think that when we do these things too, when we are, when we allow ourselves to have this break, we can see things from new perspectives too. So, um, and we can notice different things because we aren't doing the same thing over and over again, we're taking break from it. And it gives us a moment to breathe and observe and then recheck in with ourselves to figure out what we may need for this next stage of healing. Yes. And it's an invitation to, to, um, to step away from the checklist and think more creatively about the life that you want to lead. Right. You know, so it's not just a set and forget experience of like, because I'm going to therapy, therefore I must be healing as we were talking about before. Um, right. but, it, but it then becomes a journey, uh, an experience, a pilgrimage perhaps. Um, and something that, you know, um, yeah, that has the flexibility within it so that you can, you know, switch it up, um, when you need to. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, on that question, on the topic of joy, what is bringing you joy right now? Oh my gosh. Well, cooking, like spending time in the kitchen. And I mean, it's summer right now and the farmer's markets are booming and just overflowing with so much beautiful produce. So I love getting a bounty from the farmer's market and cooking up a really lovely meal. Um, I've been in a new relationship for over a year now and, you know, went through a divorce last year, came out and just, um, enjoying this next stage of my life and not feeling like I need to hide has been, um, has brought me so much joy. I mean, <laughs> and just spending time with people that I love who nourish me and, um, and, you know, just, just make me feel grateful for, um, this life that I get to live now. Oh, I love that. And I'm a huge fan of the MasterChef TV show. Uh, it's like, here in Australia, it's huge. And, um, everyone knows that I'm like literally obsessed. So, and I think cookie is what cooking is one of the most creative healing art forms there is. So, um, I love that you are leaning into that. It's just such a, it's such a delicious practice to have. Yes. And then I also just love, you know, doing stuff with your hands can be so therapeutic too. And just like, a really great mindfulness practice when you're, you know, whether you're like chopping vegetables or maybe you're making a pasta or bread and you're like kneading dough. Like it's, I, I think cooking is great for your mental health. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Um, well, as we're sort of coming to the end of our time together, it's just gone so quickly. Um, I wanted to ask you one final question. I mean, I have so many more, um, but you know, this has been so great. Um, and this is a question that I often ask guests who come on the podcast related to the title, which is what doesn't kill us. Um, so the question is quite open-ended, um, but if it didn't kill you, 
what did it make you or what did it do to you? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, well, first of all, it did change the way that I viewed myself and the world um, a few times. Um, and it made me more self-aware <laughs> and it made me redefine what success looks like to me and reconnect with what I truly want, my true desires, and um, allowed me to reevaluate and repave a path for myself back to my authentic self. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to end on. Madeline, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Um, your book, You're Going to Be Okay. I'll put a link in the show notes for people to grab a copy. Um, I think it's required reading um, for where we're at right now. Um, and it's been so great to meet you and share space with you. Um, and is there um, any, how can people connect with you if they want to take a step further or sort of dive deeper into your world? Oh, yeah. So um, you can head to my website, which is just my name, madelinepopelka.com. And again, my Instagram, Healing from PTSD. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. What an absolute treat that conversation was. Oh, I just could, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking to Madeline about all of this stuff, but please follow on her on Instagram. If you've loved this episode, share it with a friend, uh, consider giving it a rating on Apple and Spotify if you fancy, and we will see you next time for more conversations about creativity and mental health.